This time on Chew Diligence, it's KC's swanky spot to sip, The Monarch, where craft cocktails have a story. A lot of time entertainment, especially before, you know, YouTube and on demand, um, you know, entertainment was through music or through literature. And so we've taken the literature pros um, approach to that cocktail menu. And details are everything. Putting all those together at the very end of it, we present to the guest a cocktail that um, is both beautiful in, in presentation, but also in flavor, too. So I'm kind of the same way that you might appreciate a butterfly. Even down to the ice. It is. A, it's a labor of love, for sure. Um, I'm infatuated by ice, and I feel like, I don't know, sometimes mesmerized by it. Welcome to this episode of Chew Diligence. I think, Jill, I think this is 19. Woohoo! We're getting close to 20 here. I'm having fun. What about you? Oh, I love it. Talking about food all day with you? I'm having a great time, Lindsay. We just need to eat out together a little more so we don't have to compare our different notes and say, ah, I want to eat there. Right. You're so right. First, the food. Leading right into it, Jill. First, the food. Absolutely. Where have you been? Well, I thought I hadn't been anywhere, but I've been all kinds of places. But, (laughs) But let's narrow it down. I've been to the Russell on Main recently. So lovely inside and the food's so good. Don't you like that atmosphere? It's just really cozy with all the antiques and wood. And I came out smelling a little bit (laughs) barbecuey. From the Russell? Yeah, because, you know, they have that Argentinian smoke table. Oh. So they're doing all their food with a kiss of smoke. And so I did come out and was kind of like, "Mm, (laughs) hmm, smell like I smell when I come out of a barbecue joint. But um, delicious and very different food. Um, mm-hmm. I actually had lots of vegetables when I was there. I had the roasted root salad. Have you had that one? I, yes, I've seen it. I haven't had it yet, and it looked phenomenal. Delicious. I was working on a recipe for a magazine, so I, I got it. You know, I couldn't uh, walk by the desserts. Their desserts are amazing. Yeah, I've had their um, sticky toffee pudding. Yes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That's definitely one to try. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go all the way through that menu. So that is my next job. I'm going to schedule more meetings there so I can <laughs> run through the menu. Well, and it's it, sometimes it's tough to find a table. It's not a huge place, and it's popular for lunch. Uh, super popular. I went in at 11, which is pretty early, and had my pick of tables. But, yeah, an hour and a half later, completely full. And if you look online at the menu and you think, mm-hmm, sandwiches, no, sandwiches. Toast. Toast. Oh, I love delightful. the toast. Yeah, I, that's my next thing to hit up. Where have you been, Lindsay? I We were talking about places we've been eating out. And I, um, on maternity leave, was trying to find healthy food, takeout, local, everything that checks the list. And cafeteria was a great option. Their curried cauliflower, golden raisins, grilled chicken. And even if you go in, it's just a lovely, beautiful space that has such a cool, different, light, airy vibe. I've had a couple of things from there um, to go as well. Yeah. Uh, for my book club, I got some salads, um, which was fun. And then I've had their chicken, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I haven't had their pizza yet. Need to go back for some pizza. And the the oven is right there. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah. Yeah. So. And if you haven't been there, um, Joe Marie also is the woman behind the mix. Yes. Very, very delightful. Yes. She's very fun. She's very creative. Um, I know her through Les Dames to Escoffier. Oh. Yeah. I love that. And she, um, I talked to her a little bit about, she has a great relationship with a farmer for a lot of her ingredients. And they're now the best of friends. So we love farm to table. We do. We do. Absolutely. 
Let's talk about some drinks. I'm very thirsty. (laughs) Super thirsty. Uh, We have some very esteemed guests we're so glad to welcome to the podcast studio, Kenny Coors and Brock Schulte from The Monarch. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Good to be here. I just want to list off uh, some of the awards here that you guys have started to rack up. Uh, Let's see here. We have... The 2019 James Beard semifinalist for Outstanding Bar Program. Congratulations. Ding, 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 ding. That's Uh, awesome. So awesome. U.S. Cocktail Bar of the Year from Night and Club and Bar Awards. Most Innovative Beverage Program from Cheers Magazine. I mean, those are big statements. Well, we tried. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Good job. Feels good. Um, I'm super happy for all the recognition lately. Uh, Makes those 19-hour days feel a lot better. But, um, you know, we just try to make sure everybody comes in and has a good time as well. So it's not always about the awards, just about the people. So and Kansas City's got good people. Exactly. Right. Yeah, we we're very honored to be uh, part of the list of, of those others, especially in the James Beard uh, recognition here, uh, specifically Kansas City, but also throughout the Midwest. And it's really uh, fun to like we talked about earlier, that, uh, you know, folks seem to be really enjoying themselves and we're having a great time doing it. So it kind of all works out together. You guys only opened a little over a year ago, is that correct? August the 17th, so a year and a half, yeah. Yeah, so describe the Monarch for those who have Mm. not been there yet. It's quite a swanky, fun, and vibrant place. It's a a great little neighborhood bar that folks can come into uh, six nights a week and just enjoy themselves. To be honest, we we did try and um, create a spot that you can show up in, uh, you know, tuxedo don't feel out of spot. Um, you can come, you know, after work, and um, it's, a, it's a great spot for folks to come that uh, want to have a, a special place to go to. But we've got lots of regulars that show up, you know, three or four times a week as well, and in, in uh, you know, a pair of jeans and a, and a button down as, as well. So, um, but the intention is is to create a spot that Kansas City may have never seen or may have not seen in a while, for sure. Um, it uh, embraces folks. It's a really beautiful space. Yes. There's a lot a lot of architectural elements Absolutely. in it. So let's describe that just a little bit so we can set the scene before we get into the meat of the matter here. Sure. So um, uh, David Manica is our owner, and uh, they, he and his architecture firm completely designed the entire bar from a concrete box uh, into what you see today. Um, it's basically three experiences. The Terrace, which we uh, – last year we did the um, Butterfly um, – Release, butterfly release, butterfly release live with butterfly, uh-huh. yeah, and, which and, I believe we're doing again this year. Yeah, that'll be fun. And then, um, but yeah, it's just a really nice open patio with its own bar. Um, we have a covered patio, so if it's you know light rain, drizzle, things like that, we can still uh, enjoy it, enjoy what Kansas City has to offer. Um, then, as we move into our main space, what we really wanted there is to, to kind of really feel like a living room. So, where most bars have a back a back bar that they work off of, and you know, a bartender's always turning their back to the back bar or to the guest. We didn't really want that. We wanted the bartenders on stage. So, when you're in your living room, there's not this big pole, or you know, nobody has anything in the middle of the living room. That's everything's nice and low. There's eyesight, there's sight lines everywhere. So. Um, it's a big open room with the bartenders on display, and then we have the um, the butterflies uh, mm. chandelier above us. Um, David and his team designed it, and then it was custom fabricated by uh, KCAI, and um, <clears throat> that's probably one of the best things. Everybody else also seems to notice the scent. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the scent? So um, as stupid as it sounds, when I was 17, I uh, started working at uh, Abercrombie & Fitch, and like every 27 minutes, they walk around the room and spray. 
and then they go outside they go outside the door and they spray their custom scent like everywhere and so like every time you think about like buying clothes they want you to think of that scent and how good it is and like go there and i was like so when i got into this and started going i was like David, we got to make this sound like this. We got to make this smell. smell. Like, it's got to smell like the monarch. And he's like, I love that. It's like the best hotels, like Hotel Russi, mm-hmm. like he loves in Italy. And um, so we originally started with one company and they weren't uh, quite what we wanted. And now we have a company that really hits it home. And um, so it, we uh, basically atomize it into the air. And so it creates this nice, like wonderful feeling. Like, so when you, when you walk in, it's like you are walking out of Kansas City, but the monarch is meant to be a part of Kansas City. So, what is the scent? <clears throat> is this like a secret recipe? Uh, to my knowledge, it's like Monarch Zero Zero One. I don't even. But yeah. so, like, is that fresh rain? Is that like butterfly petals raining down on you? What, <laughs> right, what, right. Like, what is this? It, it's what David wanted it to be. <laughs> okay. Well, now okay. I'm really. But what does it smell like to you? Because you guys have really good olfactory senses. What does it smell like to you? I, I do think it's it's an idea of, of a, a, a fresh spring day. Mm. Um, it's really awesome when we when folks. I go maybe go out afterwards or after being there all day long, and, and somebody's like, you, you were over at the Monarch today, weren't you? Because it even, uh, like you said <laughs> earlier, you walk out of the rustle and you smell a little bit you know, smokier or, yeah. you know, wood burning. Um, so, you know, the folks park in the garage downstairs and about halfway up the stairs, they go, I can, you know, I can smell the Monarch. We're getting close kind of thing. So <laughs> it's it's yeah. awesome to have that proprietary smell that folks uh, really do enjoy. My closet now <laughs> smells like the Monarch. Exactly. You can't yeah. wash it up. <laughs> The experience starts when you walk in the door, right? Sure. I, I just want to go back to the butterflies a little bit because when you walk in the door, it's so striking. Did you say the KC Art Institute made yeah. that for mm-hmm. you guys? Yep. So um, I be- Nathan Newfeld, um, I believe, was lead um, fabricator mm-hmm. on it. And uh, basically they're acrylic and they, I mean, they went all out. They did um, 3D printed uh, special hooks. Um, it's, it's hung with... Uh, some sort of a basically a fish line so you can't see it so they seem like they're floating and then they're uh, sandblasted uh, lightly in certain ways so that when the lights above kind of change a little bit it almost looks like the whole thing's moving yes it's beautiful it it is really striking and and it it means something it you guys have uh, a monarch theme going on so i mean there there are other places called monarch and they might not Sure. It might be about the monarchy and not the monarch right. butterfly. So we kind of wanted to take <laughs> right. hold of both. Um, as, as everybody knows, Kansas City is kind of really into um, the monarch theme, the monarchy theme. I mean, we have the royals, um, the chiefs, you know, and then the monarchs were the baseball team. Right. Even and the then, kings, you know. you know. Right. And so, like, we, <clears throat> we wanted to choose um, something that meant a lot to Kansas City as a word, but that we could use as well. So the really hook for it was um, monarchs are, are quite – amazing creature like they they uh, uh they don't hibernate migrate they migrate, migrate. There you sorry go. it's it's still before noon <laughs> yeah. um, you are excused but they uh, they migrate over 3000 miles every year and it's what's really cool is when they tag them they can actually migrate back to the same tree they migrated back to the year before and it's, so it's it's really an amazing feat of uh, nature and we wanted to really encapsulate um world um, cocktail culture. So this was a really great way for us to create migration or follow migrations that helped us not only use spirits from different countries and um, regions in the United States, but um, also local and local flavors and feelings and things. So like it really was a, an intentional move to try and when you order a drink from the transatlantic um, that you have a spirit that's not only from 
America, but also somewhere across the other Atlantic, and it binds those two together and creates like a, a unique experience. The menus are beautiful, and it points right to that. Like these cocktails follow the flight path. It's just stunning. Thank you, Charlie Burt. Uh, did a lot of. Yeah, I mean, that dude has the most patience in the world <laughs> because he's like, send me the final draft, and like two minutes later, I got one more change. You know, like he. Uh, but he did an, an amazing job putting that together for us, and uh, I, I can't thank him enough for yeah. um, making our like vision get into the menu. It allows us to, using those migratory paths allows us to give uh, some definition to what you're, instead of doing a cocktail menu that's based off of spirits, these are all our cocktails that have vodka in them, or these are all our whiskey cocktails. It gives us an idea of how um, territorially, almost from terroir, um, not always used in, in cocktails more often in wine, but the idea mm. that um, you have some experience and idea of what you're getting more so than, uh, than pigeonholing, well, this is a vodka cocktail or this is a whiskey cocktail. Um, we also really love. We like putting of, vodka and whiskey in the same cocktail. Exactly. <laughs> Probably more whiskey than vodka in that cocktail. But uh, <laughs> um, it also gives us an idea of appreciating what that butterfly, the, the transformation that creature goes from 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 day one till till you see it flying around and, and you know um, and and how we sometimes create cocktails very very much in that similar idea that this somewhat rudimentary or, or um, kind of cute and fuzzy but. Not a lot to show for itself. Caterpillar before it goes into a chrysalis and then comes out as a butterfly is sometimes the same way we create a cocktail, starting with a basic ingredients. Sometimes we make those in house. Sometimes we um, order them from you know thousands of miles away, um, and and putting all those together at the very end of it, we present to the guest a, a cocktail that um, is both beautiful in, in presentation but also in flavor too. So, I'm um, kind of the same way that you might appreciate a butterfly. What's another example of one of the cocktails you can come and get that you're not going to find somewhere else that has a crazy ingredient or presentation? Because the glassware changes too, right? So we try to keep um, a lot of the glassware very consistent when it comes to the individual cocktails, obviously. Um, there is one, there are a couple of things when we do like, um, we love going um, thrift shopping Absolutely. and like antique coops. I'm, I'm, I literally cannot walk by one. And if it's got the right price tag, it's mine. Like I, it's unreal. I've, I spent so much money on antique cubes. <laughs> um, now I get to transfer a little bit of that cost back to the monarch and still have fun with it. But uh, um, it's a we like really like so. Um, but other than that, um, I don't know. My favorite cocktail right now is probably still the Louisiana Purchase. Yeah. Um, basically, we wanted to. Last summer, I was working with Dom on a Manhattan or Dominic Petrucci, who's now at the Savoy. Um, we were working on a cocktail uh, that was a Manhattan-based but more along the lines of a Brooklyn, when a Brooklyn is basically a, a black Manhattan that has um, a Mary Pecan. Well, you can't get a Mary Pecan in America anymore because, or at all because it, they tried to bring it over after the FDA installed new rules, and they flew the guy over there. was like, well, what's in a Mary Pecan? And he's like, I'm not telling you. If I tell you, all my competitors will know, <laughs> and that'll be ruined. Yeah. And so they literally flew him over here for no reason whatsoever, and he went right back. And they, So we will never see true a Mary Pecan as long as the FDA stands as where it's out on its ingredients list because he's just not going to tell you what's in his 300-year-old recipe. Wow. So there are uh, there is a way to kind of fake it, and that's what we do. We is use, it a liqueur? <clears throat> Sorry, a yeah. pecan? Okay. Yeah, so we use um, we use Distillers uh, Dry Curacao and then, um, and then uh, Ramazzotti, and then we infuse that all with orange peel. So it's a really bright Amaro-y style. Mm-hmm. Um, like most Amaros are dark, but this mm-hmm. has like a nice bright orange zest to it. And mm. then we use um, our Infinity Amaro, which is basically a blend of all the Amaros we have in-house that have um, the flavor style that we are going for. 
and uh, there's probably two to three hundred different labels in it now, mm-hmm. and you know, even some that we've sourced uh, vintage-wise that are from the '40s and '60s, which is really they kind of it's crazy like what a little bit can go a long way into it. Um, but yeah, so we've been those basically the vermouth in a Manhattan, and then we use um, our barrel of uh, Jefferson's uh, Ocean, Jefferson's Ocean, and uh, basically it's a whiskey that they age and then put on a ship and it goes out to sea and all that sloshing moves the liquid in and out of the barrel plus the heat next to the equator like it, wow. it, it ages in a different way and it you just get this really nice like strong bold flavor and um it's one of my favorites but dom again back to it dom and i were worried like well manhattan's the big thing about that is like you shouldn't really do it on a cube like they're they're great like neat so how are we going to do this because it's got to be cold as possible. We can't have people like wanting to drink a Manhattan in three minutes because if it's out on the patio and our hot, humid hot weather, there's no weather, there's no way somebody's gonna want to do that. So what we did is we freeze the glass that we serve it in. We also um, freeze the cocktail um, without uh, dilution. So uh, normal strength whiskey tastes cast strength, so it's big and bold. And then we free, refreeze the glass at the table side with liquid nitrogen, so it's got like a little foggy show. Wow. And then people love it when we throw it on the ground near their toes. not <laughs> Never in their toes. Um, uh, and then we you long pour it to give it some aeration. And then we, um, when we were doing it, we had the bitters in the batch, and you couldn't really taste it. It was just kind of sweet and cloying. So what we did is we it's a house-made um, bitter that includes a little bit of um, iron, and what that does is kind of gives you a, a really interesting mouthfeel. So, like, it ever bite your tongue and, like, you you know you got a little blood in your mouth? <laughs> like, it's like that interesting mouthfeel, like, really fills your mouth when you do it. So we spray the in an atomizer right over the top. And uh, it's been one of my favorite – it's probably my favorite cocktail that I've probably had in Kansas City. And, you know, it was just a cool little collaboration we did, and I can't get enough of it. That's a lot of – thought process and a lot of yeah i feel like i just talked for like eight minutes no sorry about that no No. not at all but back us all our cocktails are like that (laughs) i know exactly so so i think we need to know like where did you guys come from when did you get into bartending creating cocktails because i think that says a lot about kind of where you guys have taken this at the monarch my first job was at buca de beppo on the plaza (laughs) love it (laughs) how was that manhattan there uh, <laughs> shaken. <laughs> but wait, you almost went to, didn't you tell me you almost went to medical school or you were in medical school and decided? Uh, so I started, I have a biology and chemistry degree from uh, Mid-American Nazarene in Olathe and I was going to take a year off and go back, you know, and so what was somebody out of college do that loves cash and, you know, <laughs> right. doesn't like to sleep? He bartends and serves. So I uh, got a job at Buca de Beppo with my friends there and um, started working and really kind of fell and addicted to the cash and nightlife and it was a lot of fun and started studying for the MCAT and got to the physics portion. I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. I'm done <laughs> and uh, put the book away and I've never picked it back up and uh, really dove into um, uh, liquors and cores and spirits and um, just technique. And at that time um, was when Kansas City was really starting. I mean, it was That was only... Maybe Manifesto was just starting at that point. I mean, mm. I didn't even know who Ryan maybe was, but um, I knew he was doing something really cool, and uh, I kind of wanted to be a part of it, and so I just started moving around, and I found Scott Besco at uh, M&S Grill, who, um, Scott Besco and uh, Noah Robinson, mm-hmm. who really helped, like, train me um, technically in cocktails and, like, the history, and then 
and then all the books started coming around, like the reprints from the '40s and stuff. And then I was then I was addicted, and was I've, I've never turned back. Back to school, so to speak. Oh yeah, and then it was yeah. back to school. But nobody was testing me. Right. Which right. Great. I just don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to be tested. Well, don't you feel it's, a little bit like you're using some chemistry background making these cocktails oh, and all of that? Absolutely. There's there's quite a bit of a, of a science, um, yeah. at least approach to to the way we do a lot of uh, our R and D. A lot of folks, I, I realize, think that oh, R and D at a bar is pretty easy because all you do is drink what you, you know, whatever you're making, whether you like it or not, type of thing. And, and there's a certain aspect of what we taste as well, but you know, understanding what those ingredients are, um, you know, a little known secret. I know that Brock and I both created cocktails um, based on theory more so than than actual application. I mean, there's no sense in wasting you know, product if we know that those flavors. Um, you know, how many chefs? create a dish in their head based on the, the flavors that they've had. They do it all the time, absolutely. and I'm, I'm amazed. So bartenders yeah. do that the same oh, way. You can just go, mm, okay. Well, I just kind of tell people it's like making that. pancakes. You know, yeah. you make pancakes, a very simple recipe, okay? Sometimes you just want maple syrup, right? But sometimes you wake up and you want some apples or some cinnamon in there, you know? Like you you add a little things that you, you know go together at that point, mm-hmm. you know? You could go savory. You could You could do brown butter pancakes and bacon, you know, you can do all kinds of things, you know, it's just like layering things that don't compete against each other. And then things that may compete against each other, but are complementary to using them in right proportions. So that's, in my mind, I got a lot of that training from um, Howard Hanna at the Rieger. And Hmm. it's really funny, like, I really miss being with, um, you know, a chef that just has been he's traveled the world he's been to culinary school he's has his technique his mind constantly learning and um now we got to do a lot of that learning ourselves or you know um but you know he's always like a text message away like what the hell did i do wrong with this (laughs) you know like like i tried this and it didn't work you know and i mean i'm i made patafui at rieger and patafui is patafui i almost quit on i made it eight times before i got it and then um I mean, it took three months, like of like trying to do it correctly, and then, but now I got it. So, but Padovui for we did it for the gin. I was tired of drying out ginger um, for the Moscow Mule at okay. at Rieger, and because um, with our heat and humidity, the ginger could be really great one day and then just trash the next day. But I've already spent eight hours doing this, and I'm like, I I got to do something else. So, um, we made a pear based patafui with and spiced it with just fresh ginger juice, juice ginger. And uh, it, they've had it on the menu again ever since. It's great. I think Julie makes it now. We describe what that is if somebody listening doesn't know what patafui is. Patafui, it's a basically it's a pedophore or a uh, basically a, a small bite of pectin based gummy, hmm. if you will. It's like a, it's a yeah, it's a dessert. gummy snack, a dessert. It's like that you gummy get. square yeah. usually, right? Yeah, yeah, and with lots of sugar on it. Yeah, always sugared. Yeah, <laughs> they're it's one of my favorite. Definitely on the sweet dish. side yeah. of. I love gummies. Sure. Yeah. Christopher Christopher Elbo makes. Patafui. Some patafui. I'm pretty yeah. sure, actually, we're going to have Cristobal's yeah. patafui on our next menu. Oh, well. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. I don't have to make it good, anymore. Good segue. Yeah. <laughs> he also makes it way better than I do, so I might as well let him. <laughs> He's do. had lots of practice, yeah. Right. A little bit. And Kenny, what's your background? Um, actually, my first bartending job was way back in college. It seemed like a, a, a you know good way to, to meet some girls and to make some money and <laughs> work at the, the corner bar, opening beers and sweeping up peanut shells at the end of the night type of thing. And, and after college, didn't really think... Very similar to Brock, and it's ironic that we both have undergraduate degrees in, in science, as uh, as that's kind of helped us in this this uh, at least this chapter of our lives as we move forward um, here. But uh, was completely in a completely different industry. Um, had been in Kansas City for a while, and, and a friend of a friend, as I was finishing my MBA, was opening a restaurant. Needed somebody that understood maybe a little bit of the business side of things, as well as some a little bit of experience. And, and uh, I think at the end of the day, as much as we love the science and the the flavors. 
honestly, I think Brock and I and, and the rest of our team do a great job of uh, enjoying helping folks have a great time, mm. um, whether it's um, an, uh, a bougie spa water that we put some mint and some orange in or uh, we're making the craziest 20 ingredient cocktail that you've ever heard of. Um, you know, if, if that's what they're in the mood for that night or that afternoon, then that's, that's what we're here to help them find out. So Sometimes it's a Schlitz and a shot of Rittenhouse. And you don't shudder at that? Not. Oh, I drank it one with them. <laughs> 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 at least one. Now, Kenny, you also are in charge of something called the, like experiences in the parlor. Tell us what yes, that is. Yeah, yeah. So as, our third Brock, experience yeah, is the parlor. Yeah. Brock alluded to that. I don't think we ever got to that. Not quite. But uh, the third experience is is a little bit more of a an intimate space. Um, up to about twenty people fit in that space. There, we've got uh, a couple tables as well, a couple smaller our cocktail tables as well as a a relatively um, intimate bar space there as well. That uh, is great for the celebratory uh, times, whether it's a a milestone birthday where, where a wife is uh, bringing some friends in for her husband's 40th birthday and, and want to basically book out the room for for the evening or for a period of time or, or just folks want to come back and have some great cocktails. Um, we do offer our, our full menu in that space uh, from our cocktail standpoint, but we also have an additional cocktail uh, menu back there that kind of uh, pushes the envelope. Um, some folks might uh, raise an eyebrow at, at some of the ingredients we put in there. Those that are, are <clears throat> I guess, uh, very adamant about purists. Not, yeah, purists, I suppose. That, uh, but um, you know, spirits are made to be enjoyed, and whether you're enjoying those in a cocktail or, or you or you enjoying them by themselves, um, you know, we don't shy away from the, using maybe a forty dollar whiskey or forty dollar shot of whiskey in a in a cocktail. Um, wow. So, and, and you know, the idea that we're creating a different experience that you might not be able to see somewhere else in Kansas City or maybe somewhere else um, in the entire world. I mean, that's that's really our our. The whole objective is is to create those experiences that folks um, can take take with them and, and really enjoy. Kenny's menu takes a little bit of a different approach too, where we use the migration of the butterfly. We um, we wanted um, the parlor to reflect like, um, well, in essence, to start what the parlor is is the parlor is based off of like the late 1800s, early 1900s parlor room in somebody's house. Like, you know, you had the living room, you had everything else, the dining room and stuff. And, but the parlor room is where you did business or where you took your most esteemed guests back and, you know, you drank the good whiskey <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, and I'll let you share the talk best more about the had. menu. Yeah. <clears throat> the, the idea that the parlor is the spot that you, you share your best whiskey or, or um, you entertain those folks that were very important to you, whether it's the mother-in-law or, or out of town guests and, and so a lot of time entertainment, especially before, you know, YouTube and on demand, um, you know, entertainment was through music or through literature. And so we've taken the literature prose um, approach to that cocktail menu back there. And so it's always been based off of um, either a book, um, Fountainhead from Ayn Rand was, was, is the, the menu that's there now and, and it'll continue through next month when we make that change. We've, uh, last winter we did a whole series of, of Poe works, uh, hmm. which worked perfect for the wintertime, a little colder, a little darker. Uh, our, our upcoming menu is based off of uh, the life experiences and some of the works of uh, Ernest Hemingway. Um, so there's a little bit of a tie That's into Kansas City. So huge. that'll be yeah. it'll yeah. be a lot of fun to certainly as a, a fellow drinker. I, I think Brock and I, oh, actually all four of us, I'm sure would have a great time drinking with with uh, Papa if, <laughs> if that were available. But um, um, so so his influence not only liter literary wise, but also um, in the spirit world. Um, it allows us to create a really fun menu. I'm pretty excited to, to, to launch that, too. And then visually, we always try to pair with a local artist as yeah. well. 
well. Um, so currently on the menu, and I believe for the next menu as well, uh, we have uh, Jennifer Janesco, mm-hmm. and she's, I mean, she does amazing work. We, I think we even put... She's the jewelry designer for yeah, those who don't she, know. Yeah. yeah, she does all kinds of stuff. She's, uh, and she's, her prints are amazing. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, but yeah. So I'm, I'm still... I read Fountainhead. I'm I'm mulling that over in my head. What does an Ayn Rand menu look like? <laughs> right. Well, after a, a couple hours of reading <laughs> the first chapter, <laughs> right? You uh, um, you start, and that's the the approach to just how does that influence us? What do we think about whether it's uh, yeah, again? I, I go back to not because they're polar opposites, but you know whether it's a, a vodka cocktail or a whiskey cocktail. Um, what what inspires us to create something that's um, unique and different and maybe pushes the envelope uh, again on uh, what folks are enjoying based on how we interpret what we've read um, from that particular uh, book there, that particular novel. And so the idea that, wow, this is really kind of um, interesting, that that process uh, is created some, some opportunities for us to be creative. And that's exactly what that book did. I mean, that was all about an architect who didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. Like, you know, he right. went completely against the grain right. and then destroyed it all. Like, I mean, it was mm-hmm. really, I mean, I, it's one of my favorite books. Yeah. Like, I read something new in that book every time I read it. It's a fascinating book. Yeah. It's kind of held up over time, too. Yeah. You know, some some don't. What kind of food? Is there some food going on when you're experiencing these cocktails? Absolutely. We uh, do have a really delicious Somewhat uh, petite uh, menu that we allow folks to uh, to order from. Kind of think of uh, the idea of, of just going to the Monarch itself is is the idea of being able to go to a, a cocktail party almost any night of the week. Um, and so with that, the idea of, of showing up at a cocktail party, having really great social interaction, maybe seeing somebody like Brock alluded to earlier, the, the, the sight lines that are open, and, and you're there with some friends or some colleagues, and you see somebody across the room that you haven't seen in a while, or or maybe somebody you have never seen before, but you like to meet um, in that process is really kind of that how we've envisioned the, the monarch um, collectively. And so the food piece of that really falls into small bites and shareable plates that folks can um, enjoy. Certainly, if you're coming straight from work and, and you're going to be there for a while, you can kind of work your way through that menu and, and probably get enough that uh, it will sustain you through the through the evening. Um, but uh, we're, we never intended to be uh, the, the, the dining um Dinner, it's not destination yeah. spot for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, and, and we've got some really great relationships with approximately uh, some some restaurants around us with JJ's and Jack's and Capital and uh, Parkway and you know some of the other restaurants that are, are within walking distance, especially on a all of our great yeah on a day we, like today that Plaza's got a lot of great restaurants. Yeah, yes. the Rye. <clears throat> so you don't have to have your own kitchen then. You're we do have a kitchen. It's just oh, about do. the size of this room. <laughs> Pod Studios, kind of. Kind of small. The four of us. There's, there's not much room outside yeah. the four of us. Yeah. I'm glad everyone and one word. It's actually roomy today. Right. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually work around because Lindsay's playing producer. But yeah. That's right. Um, so I remember when you guys opened the sort of the motto, and I don't know if you're still doing this, but was uh, appetizers that you could eat with one hand. So you mm-hmm. know, you still had your other mm-hmm. hand yeah. free for your drink, so which we, I thought was clever. Yeah. So we all we do have silverware and stuff, but we the, the intention of most of the stuff is to be you know a one quick bite. In and out, and or not out, but straight in, and you know, enjoy, keep enjoying your drink. Um, you know, stuff has a little bit more of a savory component or a little bit more of a salty component. You know, that really helps you want to keep. Honestly, it makes you want to keep drinking. And you know, you talked a little bit about this when you were just getting into everything. Manifesto was just starting. I mean, looking at the craft cocktail scene in Kansas City now, we have Swordfish Tom's, we have Manifesto, we have you guys. Is it? 
is the appetite in Kansas City growing for craft cocktails? Is there? I, I think the I don't think the appetite's ever going to end. Yeah, I mean it's it's thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tom's town, as they say, right? Yeah, I mean, right, it, right. It, way back when we have a history for that, don't we? So that's pretty cool. When people come in, are they? Do you have you noticed? I guess just in the last year and a half, probably not a dramatic change, but people are excited and they want to try something crazy and new. Or do you need to hold people's hand a little bit to explain? Because sometimes from just the description of your cocktails, the visual is different, you know. For sure. I mean, a lot of people are, um, uh, I hate to say the word daunted, but um, overwhelmed by the size of our menu. But, you know, we intentionally did a large menu like in a West West London style cocktail bar um, to Make sure that no matter what, whoever comes in, I will have something that you'll like. And you may start with something you like, and then when I learn a little bit about you, what you what you do like, or what maybe maybe what, I made your favorite cocktail, but I made it wrong, mm. and I want to make you something that you like. And we just try to have all those tools ready. And like, oh, you, that's what you were going for. Try this on our menu because it's a loose interpretation of that in our style. You know, so it's it's really giving taking something that they love, but showing them something that we've created in. Um, in honor of that cocktail. So, I mean, a lot of people use the term, uh, like, I created this cocktail. I'm the first person to ever make this cocktail (laughs) just like this. And I'm like, you know, you're not the first person to make pancakes, okay? Like, you you just added apples and cinnamon, you know what I mean? So um, when you have a good classic cocktail knowledge base, you know, the rest rest comes pretty easy. And um, we... We thrive in, you know, on new flavors and new concoctions and things like that. But, you know, it really is like a, a, it's like building blocks, you know, like once you know how to put them together, um, the rest is just fun. You yeah. Know, it's it, it, it's it, how high can you go? How pretty can it be? And it allows us to have that have that interaction, start that that experience with that guest, whether it's somebody from out of town and they're like, oh, I didn't realize Kansas City had something like this. Mm-hmm. And not only do... Do we have, as, as Kansas Cityans, have something like this? Um, we, you know, there's, like you mentioned, there's several other spots that are doing some really great creative cocktail forward thinking as well. Um, but sometimes it does take a little bit of hand-holding or at least the conversation to understand what they're looking for. Sure. Um, you know, they, they love a, a particular classic cocktail. And, and again, like Brock said, they may have had it the way they like it, and we may do it slightly different. But, right. you know, through that conversation, we're, we're able to help them out. We have created and will continue to use uh, one of the pages in our menu – that's basically our fan favorites. So the ones that have sold really well from us, maybe from day one, or at least the very first day that those that particular menu was, or that particular cocktail was on the menu. And sometimes that gives folks um, an easier jumping off spot. It's, it's, they can jump into the shallow end there and feel comfortable with the water before they, uh, you know, go to the the twenty foot diving board type of thing. But uh, we've got plenty of options off of the twenty foot diving board as well. That's good to know because I always I, like when I go in, I go, I like a gimlet. I like cucumber, fresh flavor. I never know if the bartender. Is like well then just get a gimlet or if they <laughs> or if they like the reference you know what, what do you guys think? Well, well, that, give, that's a, it was good. We give we give you both options. I mean, if you love a gimlet, we're very confident. I'm, I'm very confident any person on my staff can make you as good of a gimlet um, with with the direction you want to go. If you want to do a cucumber gimlet or you know with a little bit of input from you based on what you like, they can do that. But we can also take you down the road of uh, you know if if what is it about the gimlet that you like? Is it the fresh? It's you know. the not sweet. It's the fresh. It's yeah. The, yeah. So then, then we can dive into you know three or four other options on our menu if you're willing to, and and you know with your permission, you're like, can I can I do something for you similar to that? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Because a lot of folks come in with the expectation that they're not gonna get just a gimlet, but if that's what they love, again, if they want Rittenhouse and and a Schlitz, then uh, you know we're not gonna change either one of those because they're great the way they are. I mean, someday we might make a cocktail with Schlitz and. 
one, one of our favorite regulars <laughs> sits at the bar. His wife um, will drink pretty much any cocktail and champagne, and he sits there the whole night and has like four or five schlitz, and then that's their night. Hmm. And it's it's, ama- it's great. They're great people. They have fun. You know, <laughs> they love I don't it. mind yeah. at all. And he he drinks it proudly, and yeah. that's what I like. Like he's he's there. And he it, wants man. schlitz. Like you know. So right. Yeah. Like it's on the menu he because owns it. it's on the menu because I want to sell it. It's delicious. You know. <laughs> What do you do for somebody like me when I was in recently, the um, server said, well, what do you like? Because mm-hmm. I was like, what, 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 what should I get? What's new? What's different? You know, like if I like everything. <laughs> <laughs> so then the conversation really for, for us turns into what are you in the mood for? Mm. You know, I like to start okay. with, do you like something strong and stirred? Do you like something light and refreshing? And those two questions like right there. Because I like it all. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I like it all too, you know, so, but you know, sometimes I want you know, a Dogfish Head Sequench, a light sour beer. You know, sometimes I want a dark beer, you know, or I want, you know, a Manhattan or I want, uh, you know, a vodka, I never say vodka soda, a gin and tonic, but <laughs> I like our Kansas City ice water because it's kind of a melody between the two with a lot of citrus, mm. you know, so a lot of it's like, again, getting that first little bit of information with as quickly as possible. And then this is what I'm excited about right now. Does that sound good to you? And yes or no. And, you know, hardly ever is the answer no. Yeah, I mean, we're fortunate to have a guest like you occasionally that, that does like everything, and we can't really go wrong that way. It's just depending on what kind of experience we might be able to point you in a, in a direction for as well. I mean, wh- how was your day? Was it busy? Was it pretty relaxing? What are you, um, you know, what are you doing for the rest of the evening? Some of those sometimes those questions that have nothing to do with flavor or particular ingredients kind of help us give you. Um, the next step in the experience right. that you have. To layer my experience. Yeah. But also someone bit. like you yeah. is where I can also have a little more fun. So yeah. like mm-hmm. those cocktails out there that I put on the menu because I like them or I want to show somebody a new experience after they've had everything else, like that's when I can go to you with like, you know, on the next menu we'll have celery, lapsing infused mezcal and uh, uh, lacto-fermented kumquats, you know? Oh, so wow. It's delicious. I'm into that. But that's what I mean. <laughs> that I can give you that and I can tell you all those things like, oh my God, but that reminds me of a dish I had here. You know what I mean? Where the chef used lacto-fermented sea buckthorn berries and, you know, he smoked the whole dish with hickory chips or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's where we kind of get those ideas and play with those things. You know, like I, we're, I'm completely inspired by food. Like I, I always, I think the best cocktails are like from the best chefs that I've had dinner at. Hmm. Um, you know, and then like with black garlic, you've never been afraid of black garlic, you know, and right. with you, you know what it is, you know, two years ago though, I didn't know what it is and it took me two years to learn how to use it. You I know? remember so, having to try to find it for the first <laughs> recipe yeah. that a chef right. gave. It was Debbie Gold, I remember. Yeah. I wanted to use black garlic. I'm like, At the American, right? Yeah. yeah. Where is this and where do I? Yeah. Where did you how find do I, it? How do, yeah. uh, I think at one of the Asian markets mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. in the river market. Area. And now if you see it at Whole Foods, they'll have like, they'll, they'll plate it all out and you get two bulbs for like 12 bucks. <laughs> wow. You know? But if you go in two consecutive days in a row, the first day it's there, and the second day it's all gone. Like yeah. Black garlic. Yeah. All right. What does lacto-fermentation do? Does it add like a creaminess? Do you to really want to know what it does, or well, what do you want to taste like? like? Yeah. Uh, lactic acid. It turns. It basically took, turns the available sugars into lactic acid instead of um, what normal fermentation. So what does so, that taste like? Um, it's just a different type of, of acid. So hmm. like it's like lemon and lime. You know, it's, it's a different type of acidity. Um, so it, that's basically the cocktail I was talking about is a, one of the variations on a margarita that we're doing. Um, so I wanted a different form of orange, but I wanted to up the intensity of the acid without having to add it myself. And so lacto-fermentation was kind of a natural 
thing. And I got a bartender on staff who loves to ferment things. And I said, okay, let's do this. And uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and and that's a really hot trend with chefs. I mean, they're fermenting all kinds of cool things. We actually have a festival out at Powell Gardens on May 4th. Fungi and fermentation. So <laughs> lots of D- DIYers out there. I like that, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of fun. But um, as you look at what chefs are doing um, and the extension to bartenders, what are your pet peeves? What are mm. bartenders, like, in that rush to be cool, in that rush to use the newest technique or the newest um Be patient. Gadget? Learn how to make learn how to make scrambled eggs before you tackle an omelet. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, um, I think that was one of the, my favorite things, like, like uh uh, both at the hotel I worked at at the president and then Howard is like, Hey, if you can't, and they're like, Hey, if you can't make a, like a perfect French omelet, then to be honest, if you want to learn, I'll teach you. But if you think you got it and you nailed it and that's the best thing you can do and put it in front of me, like we don't have anything to talk about. Mm. So I think the willingness to want to learn, um, is huge for us. Um, and really just, I mean, one of my one of my bartenders right now, Chris, you know, he's, he's bartended in Vegas, Austin and New York. And, you know, he's been around and had a lot of fun. And I was like, I'm going to break you down. And he goes, well, why? I go, because you bartend the way you bartended at other bars. I'm a, I want you to bartend for the Monarch and then bring your style into the Monarch as you bartend. And, uh, he played hard to hardball a little bit at the beginning, <laughs> but, um, you know, broke him down and now he's, he's, he's super fast. He's efficient, you know, and he can talk to guests while making cocktails. And, you know, Hmm. we just named him our head bartender. He's, so, um, it's really, it's really fun to, um, be not only learning all the time, but being able to, uh, be in a position where we can also teach. And, uh, I also think that that's something that's really great about, um, Kansas city is, um, a few years ago, um, I was trying to get I had something in St. Louis. I was like, what is this? He goes, I'm, I, you know, it's just kind of a house secret. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I get home and I'm like, kind of like not upset by it, but I'm like, why didn't you just tell me what was in the damn cocktail? Like, that's all I want to know. And you don't even have to tell me how you did it. I'll figure it out, you know? And uh, what I like about Kansas City is no matter whenever we go out, like um, I go to Swordfish Tom's or like, oh, you, how'd you do this? You know, like, what did you do that I'm doing differently or you know, it's everybody's really open about what they do, and it's just a, it's a good community to be around. I love that we hear that from the chefs, Jill, all the yeah. time. We do camaraderie. Um, I, I'm I don't know if it's the size of the town or the personalities in the town, but um, we just call it that, that Midwest yeah. culture. Well, yeah. I think yeah, people bit. are nice. Yeah. They like like they hang out together. Yeah. They like, say hello when you walk by on the street. You know, like yeah. I don't know if you guys agree, but I feel like Kansas City as a whole has. Uh, we still feel like we want the rest of the country and the world to know how cool we are still, and we're gonna. We want that message together. It's like a united front. Like yes, we this is a great place to be. We'll do it <laughs> as a team. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. Fascinating, um, and that's what I love about what Visit KC yeah. is doing for the city too. Right now, just bringing in all the new conventions, and then mm. we have all the hotels coming up, and like so, we're we're really becoming a, a destination city that we weren't five years ago, and you know that has a lot to do with the mayor's office and stuff right now. So I'm really happy with, you know, the what what the direction that everybody's taking in Kansas City. You know, the mayor's office has done great, and Sly likes a little bit of whiskey. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's good, and I bet the queer eyes. Queer Eye Guys showed up at some point at the Monarch. Well, we did the the release party um, for when they started the taping at Monarch. Um, I don't even remember when that was. Last summer, right? Last summer? Oh, yeah. Summer? Man, that time goes by fast. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're really awesome. W- watching their uh, Instagram feeds, uh, just hilarious. <laughs> I was watching it last night in bed. I was just like, this, these guys are hilarious. <laughs> they really are. They, 
they're have, down to earth and yeah. fun. Yes. They're, yeah. they're fun. And they were popping up everywhere. And I don't know if you've watched the series, but like Lindsay and I both blew through it in a weekend. <laughs> and we're like, I, I was kind of, it, it puts the city in such a great light. And what I was so intrigued was so many places that they were at. And mm-hmm. I was sort of going, where, where are we? I was looking for signage. I was, you know, some things were really clear and mm-hmm. some things were sort of like, wow, this is a cool place. I want to, I want to go. Yeah. And I'm sure that people, you know, a lot of times they're like, I've heard of the monarch. Well, I saw that post I last night there. on, um, it's the same. It's the same. I saw that post. I think last night somebody uh, reposted that the barbecue joint they went to got twelve thousand followers in a day. Twenty. Twenty thousand followers Jones. in a day. Yeah, unreal. Eleven thousand like, bottles awesome. of. Uh, yeah. That's so, awesome. I love it. it One point really seven cool. bottles a minute. <laughs> but so, like, how um, going back to different cities? I mean, how are our cocktails maybe a little different than Austin or San Francisco or New York City? Because you know. But I think, as Brock alluded to, the, the fact that there's such a camaraderie of, of sharing information that we might be able to put together a cocktail that quite literally, um, in theory, has you know 40 people involved in that cocktail. When you think about the way that we've been able to interact and talk and take information and share information with other folks, um, as opposed to uh, maybe a big city, um, you know, that, that Chicago or, or in Austin or... or um, I, I, I guess I, I hear that Austin is very similar to this as far as sharing information too. But mm. maybe maybe New York bartenders um, feel like or bars need to make a name for themselves, and they're they're going to be a little more proprietary about what they're doing, and, and they don't share quite as much. And so, just the 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 pool of knowledge that goes into a particular cocktail, not necessarily specifically at the Monarch, but just other Kansas City bars that um, you know. And like Brock said, I mean. How awesome is it to go in and get something you, you really love in a place that you're having a great time um, and actually get a smile with it, too? I mean, that doesn't happen to, at, at um, all bars you go to. So, What about distilling, too? We have a lot of dis- small distillers in town here that are the Rieger, Tomstown. Uh, SD Strong. It, 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 yeah. It just goes on and on and on. That's um, lifted. Yeah. Mm, lifted yeah. It, I mean, so how does that impact what you guys are doing and how do you think that sort of stamps our drinks as a little bit more Kansas City? I don't know. I mean, I know you have other things on your menu, obviously. For sure. You're not just doing local, but how right. does that local imprint play out? I think it gives us a, a, you know, a, a bigger uh, toolkit to, to choose from, for sure. Um, as, as those continue to, uh, again, uh, is it West Bottom Distillery just opened, you know, or hasn't even opened up yet. So that's, again, another option for us to do. Um, understanding how things are, are distilled and, and the timeline that it takes um, a good product to to come about um, is is longer than I think a lot of folks may understand what it takes from the time you, you put together a distillery and, and put in a still and you, you buy barrels and you go through that whole process. Um, it's a huge ha- investment. Yeah, having mm-hmm. the money to, to, to make that happen. In time. And let alone yeah. um, simply being able to, to produce a, a great product. So um, fortunately there are other... Um, producers of products in this country that um, those distilleries are able to purchase from and be able to put out a product on the market, whether it's a, a, a gin or a vodka that doesn't take an aging process necessarily um, or a whiskey that needs to sit for a while. Uh, and that's not anything new. There's, I mean, yeah. that's been happening for 20 years. People just really didn't care about where it was coming from that just had a cool bottle label or whatever, you know. Yeah. Some of your favorite... Some of your favorite bourbons right now are still all made from MGP and, you know, no one ever really knows until they ask the question. Right. You know, they may have – there's a lot of distilleries that have distilling – distilleries that don't really distill anything, you know, um, which is fine. You know, if that's what right. you want to do and that's fine, like 
teachers. Um, um, I like the expansions of all the breweries and things, breweries and uh, distilleries happening right now, like especially with um, Jay Rieger and the Electric Park. Yes, um, that's going to be a cool. Uh, yeah, it's good. They're um, they got a lot of good heads over there that are going to help you know really bring that that part of town back up. You know, and I'm really excited to see what's going to see it all come to fruition. Yeah. I think playing with that Kansas City history. Yes. Um, oh, so good. Mm-hmm. You know, on and on going. You know, we've just always been a town that enjoyed our cocktails. I yeah. think. Yes. <laughs> and our and our liquor. Can we talk a little bit about the attention, at least perceived by me, maybe not, but the attention given to ice in a Heck cocktail, yeah. right? I think that when we went to the Monarch the first time, that big beautiful logo right on top of the ice cube blew us away, and since then, I feel like I notice it everywhere, right? What do you guys think? How does that fit into your philosophy? Well, ice, ice is a very important ingredient. Mean, again, a lot of folks may overlook that, uh, but it's it's the quintessential sometimes in, in some cocktails. It's percentage-wise the biggest ingredient that goes into your cocktail. Um, so, you know, it's, it's important to, to consider that, whether you're talking about smaller cubes or you're talking about what we refer to as pebble or crushed ice, um, depending on, on the application of that. But um, certainly the attention is drawn to crystal clear, cut hand uh, you know, chiseled ice that we're able to to provide. So, and that's actually my second company. So, uh, if really? I'm, yeah. So, if I'm not at the Monarch, I'm generally cutting ice and delivering it to, you know, the W Yaya's. I go all the way up to the Larker Fair and um, uh, Lawrence. Um, all the bread and butter concepts. Um, oh wow! Rye, Rye Leewood, Rye Plaza. They. Kansas City goes through a lot of ice. I'm consistently sold out. Um, and but, it's a hand-cut ice is a big part of that? Or? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's um, me and uh, Jill Coxon at Swordfish Toms does a little bit too. Um, yeah. So it's it is a, it's a labor of love for sure. Um, I'm infatuated by ice and I feel like, I don't know, sometimes mesmerized by it. Yeah. I don't, Was that born out of necessity and from just you and then everyone else or how'd that come about? Well, we definitely wanted um, an ice pro- the ice program to be a big part of what Monarch does. Um, generally... Um, there's only one or two companies in a, in a larger city that does it. And we're kind of proving that now. Wow. Um, but, uh, it was definitely always going to be part of something that we did. And I, I was fortunate enough to kind of, you know, take a, a strong hold of it and really enjoy it. I mean, it sounds stupid, but using a bandsaw and not really thinking about anything, but not cutting your fingers is uh, really like therapeutic. Like you're <laughs> just, you're just sitting there after a long day and you're just like, Oh man, this is great. You know, like, you know, like yeah, you don't have to. I don't have to worry about anything. Like I'm, it's just, it's a lot of, it's a stress reliever. It's great. Is it deceivingly simple or absolutely not? Um, I mean, it's frozen water. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> Temperature. I, and, yeah, and water. I, we use Kleinbell's re- machines. It's called directional freezing. Um, so it builds, it uh, pumps circulate the water in these uh, uh, bins. And it frees from a really cold, cold cold plate on the bottom. So it freezes from the bottom top. It takes about anywhere from 48 to 72 hours, depending on, you know, the weather that's happening and um, uh, how ambient the room is at the time, you know. Um, but then you harvest the block. And then what sounds stupid is you have to let this frozen block of ice temper, or I do anyways, using a bandsaw. Because if I try to cut it right away, it spider cracks the whole block and I lose everything. So I have to let ice melt. And then I cut it, and then I refreeze it, and then bag it and deliver it. That makes it glossy. Yeah, makes looks great. Yeah. This is the same idea of uh, the lake effect, and that's kind of where this whole idea from the company that Kleinbell that made um, is, is a quintessential maker of these these bins, these, these freezers, basically. But uh, you go to a lake in, in Minnesota, and you're able to cut out a clear block from, from a lake like that as well because 
In theory, yeah, it's freezing just from the top down. It's pushing all anything, whether it's algae or leaves or plant life or fish, towards the bottom of that lake. And so the, the top portion of that, our tap water is, is hopefully not, you know, having fish or plant life in it. But <laughs> with fluoride and chlorine, those kind of things, that's what makes your, your ice cube in your freezer at home cloudy. And if you take a close look at that cube next time you pull one out, it's the very center of that cube that's cloudy. It's not all the way around that because in your freezer, all the directions are freezing that cube um, from the top and the bottom and all sides, pushing that cloudy bit into the middle there. So by using a clam bell, we're directionally freezing from the bottom up and we're able to harvest that out, clean off the top of that water. And And we use filtered water, but it's really crazy like how filtering, how moving the water around does that. I mean, we tried to make colored cubes once and we were like, oh, we'll just throw some food coloring in there. It'll be just fine. Even like a water-based food coloring and you move the direction, the water around constantly like that, it still filters all the color out. out, I had had, uh, nine inches of pure, clean, beautiful ice and two inches of the darkest red <laughs> gross like ice I've ever had. I was like, well, that's not going to work. So back to the drawing board and uh, we figured it out. But um, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of trial and error when it comes to some of these things, uh, you know, YouTube and the Google machine only go so far. This is fascinating. Is that what comes out about a foot square cube that you knock back down or what's the size? Um, no, this thing's 300 pounds. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's about... It's almost six feet long and uh, 10 inches, 10 by 20 by 40. Do you have the urge to get a chainsaw out and do a swan or anything? <laughs> right. So right. I, I actually do own a chainsaw um, because uh, we wanted to break them down and move them easier. Um, I have no inclination of doing that stuff. I know there are people in town that do a, a really great job of it. Um, at one point, maybe. Um but I'll leave that to the art, uh, the artists. Yeah. Newfound respect for what yeah. they do. Oh yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't believe how how cold it gets cutting ice in the middle of the winter. Like it, <laughs> it was not not fun in the winter. But you know, it's a it's a labor of love. It's fun. I like it. Well, so like, this is really a, an interesting evolution of the cocktail. Then because mm. I I can think back to my dad saying you know he remembers when they got the ice box you know filled. Right. So back in the day when my grandpa was drinking cocktails, you know, drinking his Manhattan or whatever, I'm I'm guessing he didn't have really good ice in there. You know, you think about that, though, but like, honestly, uh, they did because they were pulling from rivers and lakes that are constantly in motion. You know what I mean? So oh, sure. it really is the same type of directional freezing, just in the different way. And so when they pulled, yeah, they'd have like, you know, two or three inches of that cloudy ice, but they cut that off too. And you'd have these beautiful, if you look at a, um, the hotel, the president hotel on 13th in Baltimore, I think. Yeah. They were the, uh, first, the first hotel in the city to have its own ice program. And, um, if you look at old pictures, you get the same cubes that I'm making now. They have hmm. these huge, that wasn't recently, beautiful, clear about like originally. Oh yeah. This is originally, this is like 19, I want to say 1908, the hotel, I think was built I, I i haven't worked there in quite some time now so I, sure. the numbers are jumbled but they were the first one to do like a true ice program and they were it, i mean it was like something like eight thousand pounds of ice a day or something that they were producing and uh delivering out across the city like it's really cool fact that a lot of people i don't think a lot of people know so did this come away and go back sorry or did, has this always been around oh no it's well, not it's it, they those machines are all gone it's I, the, there's now washers and dryers down there yeah well the advent of, of a of a freezer you can actually freeze ice in right we kind right. of took the place for at least a little while but it's not a whole lot different than the the renaissance of cocktails i mean it wasn't that long ago that we were using 
um, canned juices and, and nobody thought about squeezing a lemon to, to make, you know. Oh, sure. I think, thank goodness that the Dale DeGroff and, and some of those that kind of brought back these classic cocktails, but it wasn't that long ago. And Sasha Petrosky yeah. who in New York had a, what, a 10-seat bar and but was buying 300 pounds, a 300-pound blocks of ice and cutting it down for every single cocktail they made. And, wow. Yeah, and this is, that's early 90s, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's... When did that get here, you think, almost, again? That's almost 30 years ago now. Yeah. You know? Was it always here like that, you think, or you think it came oh, back? Oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't think... We haven't seen clear cubes and ice in Kansas City in recently in just the last four or five years, or five for years. sure. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there was a gentleman, um, I believe he was in Raymore. Is that right? That was doing mm-hmm. it? Cold, uh, cool carvings. Mm-hmm. Um, that was yeah. supplying a few bars around town. Um, but yeah. Wow. Jill, did you... I mean, you probably knew all this already. Well, I mean, I guess I I saw ice becoming a big deal. Yeah. And working with Ann Brockoff, who's a great spirits writer, she was like, I got to do stories about ice. And ice. I'm like, that's kind of brilliant. Let's right. do that. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, I always love those angles where you just don't think about. Yeah. And then you're like, aha, that well, a lot is of it, like, key. Like we talked about it, it harkens back to the history of, of how that originally happened. I mean, yeah. I'm sure we've all seen the opening scene of Frozen. As a, as a father of some great kids, I've seen that movie probably more often than, <laughs> than, than one should. But you know, that's what they're doing there is they're harvesting ice, um, you know, and, and, and again, because it's not taking everything that's frozen, it's, it's a clear cube. And then what they do with that, a lot of times in an old ice box, that would sit in the box. Quite literally, it would be a box of, of one big ice that helped everything stay cold in, in that you know, in the refrigerator. That's and they delivered it on a, on a wagon, a horse yeah. wagon usually. And yeah, at I least don't we don't have to make deliveries with a horse wagon. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you have your own truck, your own refrigerated truck? Uh, right now it's yeah. just the it's just our cars, but it, the, refri- <laughs> the refrigerated truck is coming coming quick. It's, uh, yeah. I'm almost always out of ice, so we're, we're hopefully planning an expansion soon. And Somebody wants wow. to sell us a have swan truck that... Uh, yeah, oh, that's what we you can need. Isn't the Swan it? truck, to, yeah. the Swan man. Yeah, I'll You're going to need it by summer, man. <laughs> no kidding. It's hot. So that's kind of proof in the pudding that it's really growing, and people are really looking more to it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's um, wild. Like I said, it. I mean, I I truly think that once you put the cube in front of someone who's like, oh, I'm going to come in for like one old fashioned, and then like, right. oh man, that one was really good. It looked good. Let's okay, fine. I'll have two. You know, so. Um, it's a testament of quality of somebody's cocktails and um, the, the intention, the intention of putting something in front of you that required a lot of thought and that um, they wanted to be beautiful for you. you know? Right, right. So, and I, I see that filtering down to my to my cocktail friends. And so yes. when they're getting together and doing our potluck parties or whatever, they're they're making their own ice. Now I'm not saying it's the kind of ice you guys are using, but they're getting the round balls and they understand yep. that you know the better their water and yeah. the bigger the ice cube. The there's an, excite- there's an excitement it. factor to it, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I was going to say, that's exactly what I was going to say, Jill. I haven't seen a wedding registry in the last five years that didn't have one of those tools on it from William Sonoma. <laughs> My husband, all he wanted for Christmas was the Darth Vader ice cube that he can now make at our house. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Every old-fashioned he makes. It's true. Yeah, and once the people are excited hard. at home, they definitely want to see it when they go out. Well, there's an insane video on um, YouTube, too. I think it was uh, Nika that used a 3D, print, 3D um, printing machine. Um, in a freezer to break down a uh, to chisel out um, like an old Japanese style like uh, Johto house or what what are they called what are they sorry the little the, Kyoto house yeah Kyoto yeah. house and yeah. it's insanely ridiculous and then they pour a shot of whiskey over it and you're just like like you're just salivating Beautiful. yeah um, really neat little photo but uh, 
What about smoke? Are you guys mm. using smoke? Because we're such a Kansas we use City. so much smoke. Yeah, yeah. Where Kansas City seems to be pipe tobacco, applewood, elder or uh, pipe tobacco, alderwood. Yep. So uh, we don't. I am not a fan of putting uh, tobacco in cocktails because uh, you can't control the amount of nicotine or anything. Um, the ex- you can't uh, control the extraction rate. Um, but if I want the flavor, we just um, we smoke the glass. So we in just like a little ramekin, light the tobacco on fire put the glass over it and the oils stick to the uh, inside, inside of the glass. Of the glass. Hmm. Um, and yeah. that's so fun to watch, I'm sure. Yeah. And then the Silver Dollar is probably my favorite smoked cocktail on the menu. We um, wanted to be able to bring the smoke to the guest. Um, so what we do is we we make the Manhattan-style cocktail and it's lightly smoked itself, um, but then we put applewood smoke into the glass and cover it with a piece of isomalt uh, sugar and then bring it to the guest and crack it. And so it looks like they're like, oh, my God, is that glass? And I'm like, no, no, I would not break glass into your cocktail, I promise. (laughs) And uh, it's movie glass. Um, Right, right. But um, it's always a it's a great show. And, you know, that little like six inches of smoke right around the cocktail, you know, it's there exactly for when the guest wants it. But even like from where like Jill and I are sitting, like she can smell a little bit, but it's not it's not obstructing her cocktail smell. So so. Yeah, it's because a, everybody again. has a different, every cocktail has a really different nose to it. Right? Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Let's see, what, I don't know. Where, where, oh, and Kenny's got a, is it the, uh, what's the Benedictine one with hickory? The Cliff House is, is one cocktail we have in the parlor specifically on that menu there that um, has hickory smoke that we do a very similar process of, of smoking the glass itself. Um, but just for guests to see us, um, you know, light those chips on fire and then invert the glass over the top of that. Um, again, it's it's all part of that process and the presentation that folks really enjoy it. Um, and the walnuts were good too. The black walnuts yeah, we did, was I was we did going. Some, yeah, a, a menu two or so, I guess. So we yeah. did uh, uh, Missouri local Missouri organic walnuts that we dehydrated and then lit on fire, uh, smoldered those, put those into a glass. So, how important is the the show of it all? The show we drink sell the most. Do they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you guys have a bar cart that. Are you using that a lot? That's Man, kind of a we, showy. We kind of really wanted to use it and have a lot of fun, but honestly, it's a great thing. It's too busy to move it around all the people. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, yeah. So we use it more for um, like cocktail showings or something with uh, like a table that um, may want to like learn how to make cocktails and like be interactive with themselves. So we'll we we bring it out for that, but um, more more so than not, it's just not as. Uh, Quite as efficient as we wanted yeah. it to be. And, and translating that and, and, and taking the idea of what we're going to do on that cart and what we have done to a limited availability, we can certainly do at our bar. Again, we're talking about how open the sight lines are. Folks can see those shows happen at the bar top, even if you're sitting at a table, and, and they get to enjoy that part of the experience as well. So, When you do that, um, does immediately everybody turn around and order that same <laughs> right. cocktail. Well, that's I mean, what we notice at happy hour too. Like, I yeah. mean, if we make one silver dollar or one Louisiana purchase or, you know, the Viceroy that has like a nice mint foam on top and like, it's like, what's that? And then that is the only cocktails we sell the rest of the night. Like no matter what, like everybody has to have one, you know, so is like visual. A, yeah. Huh? It's, is it like a curse though? Do you go, oh, dang, no. that's all we have to make tonight. When, <laughs> when the cocktail is good, it doesn't matter. Well, there you go. Yeah, that, I don't, that I, sums it all up, doesn't it? Yeah. When the cocktail is good. Yeah. I'll, I'll make it over and over and over again. No problem. <laughs> Kenny and Brock, thank you so much for coming oh, in. Oh, absolutely. Thanks thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been a great pleasure. time. Didn't know we were going to talk so much about ice, but I love it. <laughs> ice, ice baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll see you next time. On Chew Diligence.